When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Good y'all and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm good. I'm I'm still riding the high of the meetup, the 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 Pitcher List meetup from this past weekend, which was a blast. We uh we got to go to a Mets game together. We we got to see one of the few Mets wins of the past couple of weeks. We uh we we played some wiffle ball in the park. We did. We got to go to Prospect Park, play some wiffle ball with uh some staffers, some fellow staffers, which was great. Uh, like you said, the Mets game, kind of a boring game. If I'm being honest, I know that the Mets won, cool, whatever. But at the same time, if they could have scored more than one run combined between the two teams, I would have actually enjoyed it a bit more. I mean, it was. Prob- it's it's partially on me for not bringing more pierogi for uh. Pete Alonso, I think it's probably a good portion of that, but I did tell you that you should run on the field and offer him more pierogi. Man, I thought about it. I'm not gonna lie. Make my first trip to New York real memorable. Get banned from City Field for life. Do you think City Field has like a drunk tank under the stadium, like like a like drunk NFL tank? stadiums? Yeah, you know, wait, like where we're like a like a little jail cell. Wait, wait. Do do NFL stadiums have drunk tanks under the stadium? I think so. Did you just make this up? No, I feel no. This is totally a thing. This this seems made up. I would never make anything up and then say it on the podcast. You make most things up that you say on this podcast. Uh, he, he's he's actively he, this yeah. is great podcast content. He's I'm actively fight. googling it right now. To I'm, see I'm if fighting, he's I'm, right. Yeah, no, he's I'm fighting. This he's is absolutely a thing. Googling something. He's Googling something to see if it'll cover him from possibly just completely falsifying information. This is absolutely a thing. I can't I can't check every stadium that there is, but this is absolutely a thing at some stadiums. It's what it's what you, where you throw unruly fans that you you got you gotta do something with them. This sounds insane to me. I can't I believe you've never heard you've never heard that? No. Not once in my life. I mean, I'm not I'm not the kind of fan or person that would wind up in a drunk tank, but I've like heard stories. I feel like this is specifically a thing that they have at like the Buffalo Bills stadium and that's it. Or just like football stadiums in general. People get unruly. Like I'm think of it like the Oakland Raiders or like the, the Patriots. I guess I don't know. I, I, tr- I try to think the best of folks. So I, I assume that everyone is just like a perfectly behaved angel. Uh, you're from you're from Wisconsin. That's besides the point. <laughs> That's besides the point. Uh, speaking of drinking, it was very nice actually spending time. I, I did get to hang out with Schwebzy, and I got to meet Nicholas Peter Pollock in person for the first time in my life. He actually came up behind me at the Mets game. Did you, do you remember how he like introduced himself to me at the game? 
Yeah, yeah, and something that could absolutely not never be misinterpreted as a weird thing. He he walked up behind you, covered your eyes, and played guess who with his giant Slenderman hands. His hands were so lily white and soft. I I didn't know whose they were. I was I was I was questioning who it actually was. Uh, but yes, I did I did get to meet Nick in that very interesting way at the game. But it was very nice spending time with him, spending time with Schwebzy, obviously, and getting to meet Schwebzy's wife Christine for the first time IRL after spending I don't know hundreds of hours in voice chats over the past three and a yeah. half years at this point. Uh, and, and you met Tater. I did meet Tater, uh, Shrubsy's dog, which was fantastic. I also got to meet uh, Ellen Adair, which I think was the highlight of the entire trip. One of no our Shrubsy, no offense, Christine, no offense. One Tater. of our top f- f- couple of most name dropped names on the podcast. Ellen is the only two time guest, I think. Mm, no, we've had Yancey on twice. Yes, that's right. And then but he's so forgettable. Yancey. Yeah. I would never forget Yancey. Yancey, I know you're listening. I would never forget you. Don't listen to Schwebzy. Um, but yeah, so no, I got to meet a ton of great people. Uh, Justin Havelock, who I know will also be listening to this. Hi, Justin. Um, super wonderful to meet so many of these people in person. Also, uh, Mika and Coco, who uh, I believe uh, Mika works for Major League Baseball in some capacity uh, and knew that we were at the commissioner, uh, came and said hi. There was just a lot of people that we got to meet that were all very, very nice. Um, Shout out to all of them. We appreciate it uh, and, for coming through. And I got to introduce Jordan to my stadium behavior, which is to somewhere around the middle innings, just disappear for three innings as I hunt down a very specific food item that I heard about. You and... left like what? Middle of the fourth <laughs> and you literally came back to our seats. I'm not kidding, folks. He came back to our seats, I think, within one out in the ninth. Something like that. I, I I was standing up because all of our seats were taken at that point. Yes, and be, be, I had heard about a a a dessert at City Field, and it was a milkshake with a donut on top. And I mean, I I'm the kind of per- like so I'm not the kind of person that winds up in a drunk tank, but I am the kind of person that when I hear about a donut and a milkshake smashed together in some fashion, I have to get it. And uh, I, so I did. But it took me like two innings to find it because it's tucked away in a in a, like a bar, uh, in like the on like the fourth floor of the stadium in a really odd location, but n- nice bar. So I, you know, I went and I got a steak sandwich, and then I had to hunt down this donut milkshake hybrid, and it took me a very very long time. So I just I just left Jordan and and Ellen to be, uh, I you you were not complaining. It was a nice time. I mean, you, regardless, like. To, to be fair, to be fair, I was elated that I I was able to just like hoard all the time with Ellen to myself. And I would never take that away from you. And that's why I spent four innings looking for a donut milkshake. And this is why you are a good podcast spouse. And I appreciate it. But yes, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I loved New York. It was my first time being there. Uh, I cannot wait to go back. It's going to be fantastic. But uh, all right, enough reminiscing. Enough chitter chatter. Let's pitter patter. Ooh, I like that a lot. Uh, Shwebzy, how about you kick it off with your deep dive for this week? Uh, you're going with some, uh, really, really at this point, someone who is a podcast favorite, someone who's, it feels like, been with us since the beginning. Uh, we, we we have a, a little bit of a, a hot and cold relationship with Lamont Wade Jr. 
like it's true. as a, yeah as an analyst you you kind of get burned pretty regularly some of them hurt more than others but uh, if you talk about as many players as we do as often as we do you you kind of get burned constantly but uh lamont way jr is someone that jordan and i talked about a lot back in 2021 he had a bit of a breakout year uh, earned the nickname late night lamont and we were both pretty high on him coming into 2022 to the point where he was actually one of the main focuses of one of our positional previews in the offseason. He was Jordan's deep dive in the corner infielder episode. And I want to stress that it was Jordan who did this deep dive. So if any of you have any animosity towards us for hyping up Lamont Way Jr. last year, I want you to all be able to accurately direct your ire towards Jordan and not me. But uh, the, I'm, the point- I'm too cute. I'm too cute. They could never stay mad at me. I know that my cuteness isn't conveyed ad- adequately through a podcast medium, but I'm, I'm, I assure you I'm very cute. I cannot stress how not relatable that is. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the point of this, other than razzing Jordan, is to point out that last year we got burnt, and now this year Lamont Wade Jr. is good again. And it's hard uh, to be completely objective in this game and not go, you're not going to get me again, Lamont Wade Jr. Uh but I, 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 I think I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be fooled again. I'm going to be hurt again. Uh, like what Wade has done this year is he has taken everything that he did well during his breakout in 2021. And he said, well, what if I do all of those things again, but even better? Like when it comes to rate stats and X stats, it's pretty hard to find something that isn't a career best. The only thing that isn't like a career high is his average exit below. But I don't really think I care that much right now based on everything else that he's doing well. Ironically, Lamont Wade Jr. has a similar profile to old friend of the podcast and former teammate Brandon Belt back when we were talking up Brandon Belt constantly as an underrated bat. It's kind of a a, a favorite of mine, a, a favorite profile of mine. He makes a ton of contact when he does the contact is hard and he also doesn't swing at bad pitches so really what's not to like wade almost has the kind of profile that is actually kind of boring to talk about because i just like i I like everything i I can't find like a lot of negatives here uh during lamont wade jr's breakout in 2021 he destroyed every type of fastball uh you know four seam sinker cutter everything he struggled against sliders like a lot of hitters do, and he was just okay against off-speed pitches. And then last year, everything fell apart. He wasn't really good at anything last year. It was, in retrospect, a bit of a lost year for him. But in 2023, he's gone back to killing every kind of fastball with the added wrinkle of suddenly being able to identify and hit sliders better than ever by like a, a huge margin. And like literally, he's one of the best hitters against sliders in baseball this year. He's got a 12% whiff rate against sliders, which, to put it into context, is the eighth lowest number in baseball. And most of the guys around him on that leaderboard are slapdick guys who specialize in making contact or major breakout players like Will Smith and Jonah Heim. It's generally not common to both make contact with sliders and also like make contact with sliders often and also cause damage when you do. Now, 
a lot of what we're going to talk, what, what I'm going to talk about and what we're talking about at this point in the season in general is a small sample size, but he's hitting 500 against sliders this year with a 675 Woba and X stats that basically match those and support those it's like absolutely stupid figures. His plate discipline this year is close to pristine, and I'm actually surprised that he's striking out as much as he is. He's not striking out a lot because he's in the 68th percentile in strikeout rate in the league, but 18.7% is a higher number than I would expect given his well above average zone contact rates and his 98th percentile chase rate. You heard that right. He basically chases less than pretty much everyone else in baseball. I say close to pristine and not completely pristine for one reason, and that's because a lot of his profile screams that he's seeing the ball super well right now, but his meatball swing rate is pretty low. Based on his meatball swing rate and his first pitch swing rate, I'm wondering if he's just kind of like trying, like taking on the first pitch every time and letting pitchers get ahead. I was looking at all of his OO counts and his 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 counts. I was looking at all the, the hitter counts he was in. And he does arguably take in these situations too frequently when the ball is right down the middle. But I, again, like his hard hit rate, I'm inclined to say that if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like Wade has pretty clearly hit, a pro- hit upon an approach that works for him. And I'm not going to complain if he watches a few too many fastballs down the middle in hitter counts. Like, especially if he's going to get a hit later in that at-bat anyway. Or, or walk, which he's doing 20% of the time, which is stupid so absurd and one previous concern that we had with Lamont Lay Jr. was the team that he's on the San Francisco Giants they are notorious in recent years for playing the percentages and platooning aggressively and in the past that has led to Lamont Lay Jr. being benched a lot more often than we'd like but this year has been totally different and again small sample size warning for his career Lamont Lay Jr. has a 26 WRC plus against lefties that is very, very low. That is very, very bad. Uh, and you could forgive the Giants for, for platooning him back then. This year, however, in 23 plate appearances against lefties, very small number, he has a 155 WRC+, plus, which is a very large number, and that's nearly as good as his 167 WRC+, plus against righties. There are a lot of caveats here. You know, BABIP, small sample sizes, a, a lot of reasons to believe that that number is not going to last and it won't but the giants have you know so far so good and the giants have responded by letting lamont wade jr spread his wings a little bit and play more often against lefties when he does get benched it's generally against a left-handed pitcher but lamont wade jr has only sat one time in the last 15 games and that includes three starts against lefties when earlier in the year he sat every game against lefties this might change once guys like Austin Slater and Mike Yastrzemski get healthy, but for now, I'm enjoying this ride. He even hit his first ever home run against a lefty this year. And if you ask me to guess which pitcher he hit a home run off of, it, with one guess, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten this. It was, of course, Steven Matz. And, you know, it still counts, though. It still counts. That still goes in your stats and everything. Uh, there was a definite opportunity to buy low on Lamont Wade Jr. earlier in the year because, like like me, 
a lot of people, I think, were in disbelief at how strong his underlying numbers were and how great his start was. But his batting average was pretty low. He was struggling in the BABIP department, so his surface numbers weren't quite matching what he was doing. But unlike Alec Thomas, who had a discrepancy and then his underlying numbers fell, Lamont Wade Jr.'s surface numbers are rising to match the great inputs that he's putting up. And at this point, I'm in. I, I'm a believer. And as I said earlier, I'm ready to be heard again. If he does come back to Earth immediately after this podcast, uh, then just like last year, we're going to say it was Jordan's fault. Uh, one, that's fine with me. I'll take the blame. I deserve it. Uh, secondly, I don't know if you mentioned this. I can't remember because this this was a very extensive deep dive, which I always appreciate. But like, also, he's leading off every single day. Yes, yes, I, I should have mentioned that. Which is very important to know. Like, not only is he getting on base a ton, he is also leading off. So he's getting more at bats than most other folks are going to be getting that you're finding on the waiver wire. He's going to be in a good lineup spot where people are going to be able to drive him in more often, stuff like that. So, like, run scoring opportunities are going to be ample with Lamont Wade Jr. here, which is why I think is it's. I mean, this again, much like Schwabzi, I am also ready to be hurt. Uh, with Lamont Wade Jr. Um, yeah, I, I he so when he does play against lefties now, which is happening more frequently, uh, he doesn't hit leadoff in those games, but he is he is hitting leadoff in one hundred percent of the games they play against righties right now. Yes, which makes sense. Obviously, with it, like yes, he has been performing well against lefties, but with his platoon splits career wise, it makes sense that they would push him down in the lineup in those in those games. So, but yeah. Uh, Good call out, Schwabzi. I like it. So yeah, everyone. Love our boy. Do, do you know what his roster ship is right now off the top of your head? Uh, Percentage wise between like ESPN and Yahoo leagues? 17%. Like close, so he's close to the threshold. It's very likely with how well he's been playing. He's probably going to clear that soon. So get on him as soon as you can if you're trying yeah, to hang. Because earlier he was hitting like 200 with these fantastic underlying numbers. But like I said, now, you know, his average is creeping up and he's starting to yeah. the, the surface numbers are matching the underlying stuff. Perfect. Yeah. And then obviously, if he's not rostered and you're in an OBP league, that's just absurd to me. Yeah, he should be rostered universally in OBP leagues. Perfect. All right. Well, that was Shubsy's deep dive and we'll be right back with my deep dive right after this ad break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we are back. So, Shubzy, before I actually go into this deep dive, 
Actually, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to dive into it. And I'm going to give you a fun little piece of trivia, which you're probably going to just know the answer to based off of the context in which we are speaking about this person. But anyways, uh, my deep dive is going to be about Nick Prado. Uh, Nick Prado of the Kansas City Royals is on an offense that's been largely underwhelming so far this year. Um, but he's been a pleasant surprise so far. He's put up a 360 average and 57 plate appearances since his recall from AAA a few weeks ago. And that's all while splitting time between first base and both corner outfield spots. So for me, the big draw here, especially in leagues like TGFBI, is that the positional eligibility at both corner infield and in outfield is just super awesome. Uh, he has only had, I believe, four starts in the outfield so far. So he still needs to get like six more to hit that threshold in TGFBI to get outfield eligibility. But right now, because he doesn't have that outfield eligibility, I think he's not as highly sought after on the wire um, just because you can't slot him into that spot yet. Once he gets that outfield eligibility, I think men, like many, many, many more people will be on top of him. Uh, Schwabzi, I did say that the Kansas City Royals offense has been largely underwhelming so far this year. If you had to guess in the month of May, what do you think their WRC plus is? As a team? As a team, yes. 42. Uh, try again. Uh, am, I in the, am I in the right area? Uh, oh, wait here. Sorry, I got it. Sorry, I, I accidentally just closed the tab. I'm so sorry. One <laughs> second. There we go. Okay. Uh, you are not really in the... Oh, so is it, is it good, not bad? Here uh it is it's good yeah i would say it's good if you had to guess right. just team team wrc plus 111 uh, what do you th- what do you think it is 111 uh you're wrong all right what is it it's it's better than that really i'm gonna give you one more guess of what it is 123 incorrect it's better than that they are since the beginning of may the kansas city royals have the best offense in the league by wrc wow. plus at 144 you know what? I, I buy it because Massey has been kind of heating up. Michael Garcia yep. has been a revelation since he came up. Uh, Prado's been unreal. Melendez. I, I, so I have both Melendez and Witt in, on my TGFBI squad, so I've, I have yeah. noticed them heating up. And Pasquantino is just doing Pasquantino things. Correct. Yes. So like across the board, like they are, they're all pretty good. Uh, I do think that Prado, out of all these people, is the one that's the most under-rostered. And I'm going to dig in here just why i think that so obviously like i said the positional eligibility is a massive draw having that corner infield and then also outfield eligibility over the last two weeks he's got 42 at bats two home runs but then he's got 11 runs and 12 rbi so 23 combined there and then a 381 average like that's awesome um i will say he was known a bit in the minors for being a power bat and it doesn't bode super well for his home run upside that he isn't really elevating the ball like he did previously like his launch angle i believe is in the single digits on average right now so not necessarily the best but there's so much that prado has done that's just he's made tons of great strides in terms of just the quality of plate appearances that he's putting up as well as the swing decisions that he's making so he has increases in exit velocity hard hit rate batting average obviously x woba and zone contact this year like you look at his average exit velocity it's up two and a half ticks his hard hit rate is up over 10 percent from last year 
Uh, his expected batting average and batting average are both up over 135 plus points. Uh, his K rate has dropped six and a half points. Uh, his walk rate's about the same, which is north of 10%, so he's getting on base a ton. Uh, you look at his whiff rates, his whiff rates have dropped 7%. His chase rates have dropped over 7%. Uh, and his own contact rate has gone from 76.8 last year all the way up to 89.7 this year. Um, I did just throw some cold water on Prado in terms of his home run upside just due to the lack of loft on his batted balls. But we are just a couple years removed, like I said before, from a minor league stretch where he put up 36 home runs in 2021 between double A and triple A. He was regarded as a player with 55 to 60 grade game power with the potential to tap into more raw power. Um, This combined with his eye that has seemingly continued to sharpen as he gets more reps in the majors makes me think that he isn't really a finished product and he's not done polishing his game yet. Uh, The plate discipline gains really are there. So I know I rattled off a few stats above um, that we've seen improvements for Prado like that say that maybe he's got better play discipline, obviously the K rate dropping the chase rate and zone contact uh, going in good directions. But I think the one thing that you can point to in particular that really kind of is the through line to all of these improvements is the swing and miss against fastballs for him. So he's made tons of improvements there in terms of his swing and miss rate. Uh, In 2022, it sat at 24.6%. He's cut that number by over half and is sitting at 11.8% on the swing and miss rate on fastballs. So he is hitting fastballs so much better than he was last year. Um, based on everything that I'd seen so far, I went and looked a little bit deeper, theorized that he seemed to be hunting fastballs and doing most of his damage on them. And after doing a little digging, that turned out to be true. Um, he's also just being more patient in general. He's swinging less often at every single pitch type. Uh, patience is obviously a great thing for a hitter, especially one that young. But the pitch type that's seen the smallest drop off is heaters. So it's clear to me, based off of that, that he's looking for them more and hunting those and doing his damage on them. Uh, And like I said before, I think one of the biggest things is the fact that he's hunting those fastballs and the zone contact rate has shot up immensely. Like we're talking a 13% increase between 2022 and 2023. It's just everything in his profile is speaking to this being like a pretty sustainable change. And while the sample size is fairly small, I'm buying in pretty hard on Nick Prado being like a priority pickup for me this week, especially in TGFBI where he is on my waiver wire. So did you, uh, did you happen to catch his like batted ball distribution while you were looking at all this? No, I didn't. I mean, I do, I do know, I will say, I do know that he, are are you talking about in terms of like spray balls, line drives? No. What do you think? What do you think his fly ball rate is right now? Not, I I would say that based off his average launch angle, it's probably not very good. I'd say that he's probably mostly hitting line drives. MLB MLB average is 23 2. 15. He's at 12. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever, I I mean, if the major league average is 23, I'm sure players are down there, but I don't, I don't, I can't recall ever seeing a, fly ball rate at 12 percent. that's so low yeah and his line drive rate is 40.6 which is wildly unsustainably high something's going to change here he's he's also hitting more ground balls than he ever than he did last year i feel like so this this is going to change 
and dramatically. And I think you're going to see his line uh, launch angle creep up as the season goes along. Which, if that's the case, and he continues to hit the ball harder like he has been, right. then yeah. good things will happen. I, I, I think, think there's reason for optimism here. Yeah. Uh, just in general, I think, obviously, like there's so much there in terms of plate discipline, the way he's hunting very specific pitches to hit uh, and being very selective at the plate. Uh, it makes me excited knowing that he's able to show that restraint. And while like that's the thing, too, is like his strikeout rate last year was 36.3. It's still 29.8. It's still pretty high. Mm-hmm. all told it's still decently high but he still is getting on base at a decent clip like i said that walk rate is north of 10 percent uh and the quality of contact right now in terms of just like how hard he's hitting the ball is on the up and up so all all in all like for someone who's seven percent rostered between espn and yahoo leagues i'm definitely on a nick on a nick prado pickup this week love it i i think i already rostered i i already added him in a league this week I'm I'm very down with it. Shrubsy, we get it. You're smart. Okay. You're smarter than me. I understand. You're, you're, a, you're a liar. That's I'm not lying. Although I am still second place in TGFBI. Hey. Hey, yo. I think I'm 20th? Look at us. Look at us go. Uh, all right. Let's take another quick ad break here, and we'll be right back with our league-wide roundup. All right. We are back. Shrubsy, let's kick it off with the NL East. Your... The home of your beloved New York Mets. My domain. And let's uh, and let's start by talking about your other favorite team, uh, the Braves. I how what's what's the most dramatic way to walk off of a podcast, Jordan? I think you need to loudly drop your uh headphones and then clomp real hard. Uh, I I would be more subtle about it. I I think I would just hang my headphones up on my microphone and then just walk away. But no. Uh Eddie Rosario is the one player here who stuck out. Um, because he's hitting for surprisingly high average lately. I still, I, I just don't, I still just don't think there's enough here to demand rostering, but he keeps on showing up like week after week on like the, uh, the, the, the rankings for like how players have done in the last two weeks. So I guess he's worth mentioning because he's doing at least something good every week. I haven't taken the step of rostering him anywhere, but he, it says something that he does keep showing up on these rankings for us. Absolutely. Uh, it just, I, 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 this is one that I actually get really scared by because I feel like this is the type of person that I go and grab off the wire and then he immediately hits a cold stretch. And I'm afraid that I just like missed the boat on the good stretch of play. It feels like I've done that with a lot of people. Like we're going to talk about someone later, very specifically that I picked up because he was hitting well. He hit just okay or bad when he was on my TGFBI team, and then I dropped him, and then immediately he started hitting well again. That's how it works. I just completely missed the boat on it. But um, all right. So the big news of today, where we are recording this on Friday night, the big news of today is that Yuri Perez got called up and made his major league debut today. What do you What do you think? He so so his line today. He pitched four point two innings, gave up six base runners allowed two runs and struck out seven now both home runs that both runs that he allowed were on solo home runs which is a little bit alarming because he was facing the cincinnati reds but he was facing them at home in the friendly confines of God, lone depot ballpark lowercase l lone depot ion ion yes the ion ballpark yeah. um i i'm not terribly concerned by it yet i think it's it's one start 
right? Uh, the fastballs that he threw, I think they were both off of fastballs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, neither one of them were elevated particularly well, so they were very hittable, especially the one to uh, Tyler Stevenson. It was like kind of right in his wheelhouse, specifically a little bit low and away, and he was able to extend his hands and just absolutely crush it. Um, that said, uh, fastball slider and curveball all had CSWs over 30%. He had a 31% CSW on the day. Um, that included, gosh, he had like a 50% whiff rate on the slider and a 46% whiff rate on the curveball today. Like, there was a lot to be really, really excited about with the start. I mean, two earned runs, really nothing crazy. He wasn't the most efficient, I think, is probably the one thing that maybe bugged me a little bit about it. Um, but other than that, like, sitting like 97, 98 with a fastball, <laughs> he's he's gross. He's really disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the slider isn't even supposed to be his second best pitch. That's supposed to be his changeup. Yeah. And he only threw the changeup four times today, which is weird, right? Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. Uh, he only got, I mean, he threw, yeah, he threw four of them, got one swing and didn't get a whiff on it. So um, I'm curious about that. I, I, I need to do some searching and see if anyone talked about that from the team. I'm sure someone did a Twitter thread on it. Has to be. Well, I guess, is there going to be a, 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 there might be, I would hope so, a gift breakdown there will the be, site. there should be, but uh, I don't know how much insight we're going to get there, uh, there into his pitch usage. I, I want, you know, I want to, but I also don't know if we're going to get any of that info from the team. Cause that's, you know, who, who yeah. knows? I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to say like, yeah, we didn't want to use the change up today. We didn't, we didn't want to expose the league to how good this kid was in his first pitch yeah. in his first uh, outing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Anything else on Yuri before we move on to the rest of these folks who are much less how, exciting admittedly? How, how many fab dollars are you going to drop on Yuri Perez in, in, fa well, in fab this I dropped weekend? I a whole bunch on Bryce Miller. So depending on how he finishes tomorrow, maybe a lot. No, um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I think that for me right now, I just like, I spent so much on Bryce Miller and like Yuri from like a ceiling perspective, I think might be better. So in the, in the fantasy world, like in expert leagues and like main event leagues and stuff, quote we've unquote, been seeing quote expert leagues. Yeah, right. Any league that I'm in should not ever be classified as an expert league. But Correct. We've been seeing a lot of these top pitchers, like the Bybees, the Bryce Millers, the Yuri Perez's. Well, I, I soon to be Yuri Perez's. Um, we've been seeing these guys go for two to three hundred. I, I, and. Do you think that's going to happen again with Yuri? I feel like because of the precedent now, he kind of has to. People are absolutely going to throw around, you know, 300 of their fab if they still have it. Yeah, it's going to be completely dependent on just like the economy, what the economy of the league looks like, like how much has been spent in general already by most teams. Because um, some teams aren't going to want to spend like 60 to 70 percent of their remaining fab dollars on a player yeah. at this point. But, like, I know, I know I'm going to throw like. 30 at him but that's just because i only have 150 left after bryce miller yeah i think i have somewhere around like oh gosh i think i have like 396 or something like that left i would probably still throw 240 250 on yuri at this point i okay. think um but yeah i mean that's also me coming from a perspective of I really need pitching badly because like Jeffrey Springs got hurt early in the year for me and 
my pitching has been largely underwhelming when it comes to both ERA and WHIP. So I just need well, like quality well, pitching. Wait. Jordan, what are we doing? This is this is on the wire. What are we What are we doing? This is this is this is Adam's thing. Adam's thing? Ah, oh, it's fine. I mean, I don't. Adam, I I assume that you're listening to this. We're not we're not trying to step on toes, bud. I promise. But we're also not sorry for stepping on your toes. Adam, who hosts uh, on the wire, Adam. It's how pronounced how, not who. I said how. Oh, how who? How who? Yeah. Uh, also happens to be our <laughs> manager, but that's a that's unrelated to anything. Let's let's move on to the with the uh, the other tw- uh, twenty eight teams we need to talk about in the next twenty minutes. Pitter patter. All right, uh, let's let's do this <laughs> thing. Uh, so Jorge Soler. Uh, I think the general consensus on Soler is like, I feel like he should. St- be over 20% rostered and like stop throwing him fastballs. Uh, also that home run that he hit off of Brandon fought earlier this week. That was, was hilarious. Absurd. Oh my, it's comical how far that went. If you, if you like look at his spray chart, you'll see the one right away. Cause it's the one that's like way, 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 way out there in left center field. But uh, yeah, uh, I've been saying this all season. Just if you need home runs, add Solaire because uh, he's going to keep brutalizing fastballs. He's he's got uh nine home runs now, six of them off fastballs, and he is actually like doing well enough on other pitch types that he's you know he he's not being a one trick pony. I I think Soler is absolutely still worth an ad in pretty much and anything deeper than a twelve team three outfield league. Yeah, totally fair. Um. What about Jesus Sanchez? I, I he did have a hamstring tweak, so he was like on the bench today. I know on Friday, uh, he wasn't available off the bench. I don't know if he got a pinch hit uh, at bat at any point in that game. I can't remember. Uh, I don't think there's much to be concerned about because I think it was it was just a day to day type thing. Uh, over his past four starts, he's hit fourth, fifth, eighth, and then fourth again against right handed pitchers in the past four games. He really is only hitting against right-handed pitching though uh, yeah so that's this worth is a, noting this is a strict san francisco giants style platoon where if you're in a daily league you should add him or just if you happen to know that the marlins are going to be facing you know six righties in a week or whatever uh he's a very good hitter against righties but the marlins are being very very careful about uh not exposing him to any lefties so uh it, it seems like they have pigeonholed him in that role which is a little bit of a bummer because he's only 25, but this is something that we can take advantage of if we're paying attention and on top of our lineups. Exactly. All right, let's go to the Mets then, and uh, Shubzi, you get to talk about Francisco Alvarez again. Yes. Oh, my God. I, I said last week that he's probably worth an, an ad or at least a stash, but hasn't really had like that game yet or that moment where it's like you have to add him now. Well, he hit two home runs in a game against the Cincinnati Reds, and there's your official, you know, coronation, your your must-add-him moment. Besides that game, he's just in general been looking better and better at the plate. His K-rate is dropping, his ex-WOBA and WOBA are rising, and he just looks more comfortable. The Mets catching situation right now is weird. Weird enough that they signed Gary Sanchez. They've got Tomas Nito on the IL. They've got Omar Narvaez on the IL. And I expect Alvarez to get plenty of playing time moving forward. He's actually started eight out of nine games, which is pretty crazy for a catcher, especially a 21-year-old catcher. Yeah, that's a lot of of, uh, 
a lot of run for someone yeah. even even at that age. And, but working in his favor is that his defensive work has actually been really strong. Honestly, considering he is a 21-year-old catcher, he has gone above and beyond expectations so far, and there's so much more upside here. Take it. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not available in most of the leagues where I would pick him up, unfortunately, but if he is still available in your league, I think now might be the time. Like The fact that they're giving him as much run as they are is encouraging to me enough to the point where even in like a one-catcher league, I would entertain maybe grabbing him and stashing him on the bench. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to Philadelphia. Uh, Edmundo Sosa is the one that I wanted to highlight here. Um, he's hitting at the back end of the Phillies order, and you can tell by the counting stats that he's at the back end of the order, but at least he's going to be giving you a boost in the average department. Uh, and also the nice thing is that he has a ton of positional security at third base because you have the injuries that you have with Derek Hall and obviously Reese Hoskins being out for an extended period of time. Alec Bohm was moved over to first base, which opens up third base for Sosa. He also can play at shortstop, so that versatility helps him as well. So if you're looking for a relatively inexpensive average bat, I think that Edmundo Sosa is a solid pickup as well. Yeah, um, he, he has sat one time since April 20th. Correct. Yeah, he's getting lots of run. Uh, we got a few names here for Washington. Yeah. Uh, with with Pittsburgh kind of fading back into their Pittsburghiness, uh, Washington might be our new in the deep favorite with lots of guys to talk about. Uh, Lane Thomas has been absolutely on fire lately, putting up a casual 176 WRC plus since the calendar turned to May, and in that time has four dingers, a steal, eight runs, eight RBI, and a 333 average. I have historically been a fan of Thomas. He's had many a stretch where he's been worth rostering in deep leagues, and I absolutely think he's worth an add given both his hot streak and place in the lineup since he's hitting leadoff against righties, uh, actually hitting leadoff against both lefties and righties, and has uh, done that in six straight games now. So I'm, I'm adding him where I can. Then there's Luis Garcia for the Nationals. I, he seems slapdicky. Uh, is that is that a tense of slapdick? Can I can I say slapdicky? It is now, baby. <laughs> you made up a word, uh, and I love. I it. actually think there's some upside here. I think there's some power upside here because when he gets a hold of one, he really gets a hold of one. But that's just kind of a cherry on top because if you're adding him, you're adding him for both the volume and the batting average. And I think the batting average is going to come up. There's a pretty stark discrepancy between his ex woba and woba right now, and I think this is going to be a situation where the numbers rise to meet the x numbers as opposed to the other way around perfect all right uh what about patrick corbin let's do a pitcher here too because patrick corbin's had some interesting starts as of late um i'm personally not on the boat with him how do you feel about him Shubsy? i know that some people have been asking me but corbin <sighs> i i have like I think Patrick Corbin might be on the waiver wire in every single one of my leagues. And there's a, a handful of leagues where he's the best available pitcher by some measures. And I just can't do it. I can't make myself add him. Uh, but that being said, in his last five starts, he's got decent ratios and he's got a history of being good. I just, I can't make myself do it. He's When he's bad, he's so bad. 
He's like a cherry bomb where the upside is being mid. He's like a cherry bomb where the upside is being a toad. Yeah, and that's just a bummer. That's not a player I generally want to roster. Yeah, I'm not particularly interested interested in this. I mean, that's the thing. For me, I don't want to find myself... Like I said, in TGFBI, my ratios aren't the best right now. That's the thing that I feel like is holding my team back most. I can't do like I I can't justify in my own brain chasing someone like Patrick Corbin to make spot starts even when I know that he could just completely blow up and make the situation even worse for me and set me back even farther. Um, I just don't think it's worth the risk personally. So I'm I'm still fading Patrick Corbin for now. Um, but. yeah. All right, let's go to the NL Central then. Let's start with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Shubs, you were down Christopher Morell, who's been uh, kind of popping off. He's <laughs> been great. Yeah, I mean, last year he had a major moment because he started last season completely on fire also. In his first 185 plate appearances last year, he hit 283 with seven home runs and seven steals. And then he crashed back to earth so hard that he could have caused an extinction event. I, I'm not a fan. I'm I'm not a fan of Morel because he's so boom or bust, but as long as you know that you're looking at a major batting average and OBP risk, and definitely not a particularly good points league player, uh, if you know you're that if you know that you're going to get a thirty percent strikeout rate and you're okay with that, then go nuts because the tools are loud and the power speed potential is very real. He was going absolutely bananas in the minors before his recent call up. And he already has two home runs and 13 plate appearances in his most recent uh, major league experience. But he was running a 30% K rate in AAA, so I'm not sure that he learned anything or, you know, did any sort of developing. So I'm not sure if, you know, this year is going to be any different than last year. But he's started off red hot again. So, you know, if you're if you're into that sort of thing and getting that, that power speed, big risk kind of player, then go for it. Ticket. All right. Uh, let's go to the Cincinnati Reds. Let's talk about Nick Senzel real quick. Yeah, I, I I feel like there's a lot of like prospect and injury fatigue with Nick Senzel. Like, how how sick are you of hearing about Nick Senzel <laughs> is finally going to break out? But I, he he looks really good right now. He he looks you know he's that I mean that's really it. He he looks good. Like he looks healthy. He looks good. He's playing every day. I like him a lot more than the usual Great American Ballpark suspects where you're hoping that the ballpark will cover for them being not very good players like Friedel and Steer. But I actually like Senzel as a good player that will be boosted by Great American Ballpark as opposed to propped up by Great American Ballpark. I like how you chose not to add in uh, Jake Fraley there, a.k.a. the next Christian Yelich. I do think Fraley is better than Friedel and Steer also for what it's worth. That's fair. I, I can see that. Uh, all right, let's go to my uh, my own little personal fun time, which is talking about the Milwaukee Brewers and our deep league options. Uh, I'm going to bring up Joey Weimer again. Um, oh, man, it's been such a struggle to watch him struggle as of late. Like, the batting average isn't good. You can tell that he's frustrated at the plate. That said, the loud tools between his power and speed are still definitely there, and it's going to lead to those counting stats, but it's just so rough rostering him and putting him in your starting lineup with how bad his average has been. Um, he really needs a nice stretch just to regain some confidence, and he's going to continue to get ample opportunity to do that. He's going to be in that center field spot 
unless something absolutely catastrophic happens. Um, so I'm still going to stick with him and have him on my bench and let him ride there for now. That said, I do understand if you want to cut bait at this point and try something else because the average has been an absolute killer uh, for some teams. So, uh, And then the other person is Tyrone Taylor, who just got back from injury, has had an okay first week back. Um, the extent of what I want to say about Tyrone Taylor is it's basically if Joey Weimer had a lower ceiling. I am shocked to see that Joey Weimer has only sat one time since yes. April 13th. Yes, he's I mean he is he is the center fielder now. That's once, wild. Once, once Garrett Mitchell went down, and he's that's the thing though is he's going to get that ample opportunity to play because he's been playing incredibly good center field defense. His range out there, his athleticism helps him cover so much ground. Um he's he's going to get to play. It's just a matter of when's he going to find his confidence at the plate. And honestly, it may be not this year, for all I know. But I'm hoping and praying that he has the chance to um, show off those tools a bit more. So, I, I hope so for you. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh, Bubsy, I'm going to let you do this announcement. Yeah, we have an announcement to make regarding the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're not going to talk about any today, for like the first time ever. All of the usual suspects have either been terrible lately... Or have crossed the 20% threshold. <laughs> the sexual tension between us and the Pittsburgh Pirates is finally over. I love that you actually read that. I wasn't expecting you to. <laughs> I, I don't even know why Good. I wrote that down. Good. I don't know why you did either, but honestly, I enjoy it. Uh, it's uh, provocative. It gets the people going, as they say. I'm just uh, trying right. to throw people off the trail of the sexual tension between you and me. Ah, uh, Yes. I want them to think that it's actually tension between us and the pirates. This is a, this is a very platonic uh, podcast relationship. Don't let Shrubsy tell you otherwise. Wink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the NL West and talk about the Diamondbacks here real quick. Uh, Gabriel Moreno, Shrubsy. Not a lot to say about him. I still like him. Uh, he is the rare, barely rostered catcher that will help in batting average, which is kind of a fun uh, niche to fill. All right, uh, going to Colorado. Talking about Grand, Grand Old Richick. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. My boy, Grandel. My, my boy, Grandel yeah. Rachik. Yeah. My Yasmani Grandel Grichik. Uh, yes, exactly. No, so Randall Grichik. Uh, wait, why, so why is he still under 20% rostership? I don't get it. He's hitting over 300. He has a relative. I mean, like he's not been like an incredible, incredible player by any means, but like he has a relatively reliable history of deep league value and he gets to play half of his games in cores. What what is going on? My high right now. Like, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I hope you forget to bleep that. I do, too. It's fine. Uh, and then you also wrote down. Um, God. Sorry, uh, Brenton Doyle. <laughs> uh, you know when you sometimes forget that you're recording a podcast on a family-friendly network. Yeah, I, yeah. uh, I think Brenton Doyle is just a, a modern-day Garrett Hampson. And folks, I never rostered even... Garrett. Ha- <laughs> I never that, rostered that Garrett Hampson me, anywhere. That sentence gave me an aneurysm. That sentence means we are too in this fantasy baseball world. If you understood that sentence, go touch grass. 
I want off this ride so bad. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, let's go to but, the Padres. Uh, <laughs> Kim, he's multi-position eligible. He's playing most days and he has stolen base upside. And that's pretty much the pitch. And over the, I think the past like two weeks, he's got a 278 average, uh, had a two RBI double tonight against the Dodgers. Um, I don't know. I think that the consistency and playing time and the multi-position eligibility is a nice draw here. So, uh, I'm digging that. Um, Michael Waka. I don't know, man. Like the the results have been good. The X stats concern me a decent amount, and he gets the Royals next, which, like we said before, they have the best WRC plus in the majors since the start of May. So they really, technically, at this point, to me, are a decent offense and like kind of a tough matchup. Um, I'm standing pat. I'm probably not going to pick up Waka. Um, but that said, I will give a slight little endorsement. He's thrown five plus innings in five out of seven games this year, with four of those appearances being quality starts. Qualifying for wins means something in a lot of leagues. So if you're trying to get wins, I mean, he will pitch deep enough into, into games to possibly give you that opportunity. I just think that he's been getting a bit too lucky, and re the regression monster is probably coming for him. It's like a less sexy Patrick Corbin. I like how we're comparing. <laughs> can we? Okay. Is that is that a compliment? Is can, it an can, insult? Who can, can say? Can that be? Can that just be like the standard? Like when just when we say someone is like the same as another person, but better, we call them a sexy version of that person. I would love that. I would love that to or be that a new a, bit. Or is that too uh, too much objectification? Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. players we objectify around here are Kevin Kiermeyer and Chris Bryant. That speak for yourself. Uh, uh, I will. <laughs> uh, okay, last uh, San Diego Padre to talk about is Nick Martinez. Um, I actually talked about this one with Nicholas Peter Pollock when we went to get really, really crummy diner food the morning after the meetup. Uh, and he is also very into Martinez and just kind of wishes the Padres would lean into making him a starter full time, which I know that Schwabzi and I would be elated by too so yeah i mean i i respect a guy like martinez like like ranger suarez before him who is a, a seemingly good pitcher who the team just can't settle on a role for him but he thrives regardlessly yeah uh I, yeah perfect all right and then going to the last team in the nos the giants uh casey schmidt I don't know what he did tonight, but he started off his MLB career uh, with two home runs and 12 at-bats with five runs and four RBI. Uh, he looked great in his first few games, um, and he's already put up an 80th percentile exit velocity in just those few at-bats. So uh, starting at shortstop every day since he got called up, he's definitely a priority pickup, I think, for folks who need help at shortstop and missed out on the Zach Neto sweepstakes earlier this season. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, do you know offhand if he played today and how he hit one for four with a double and a ribby there you go Beautiful. to lower to lower his lower his ops to one six eight eight terrible he's washed Bust. send him back down he needs more time oh, sorry i did just myself that sounded bad i was crossing <laughs> i was crossing my leg i'm so sorry uh <laughs> anyways uh going to the al east uh, and we're going to talk about Dean, Dean Kramer. Uh, Schwebs, anything? I mean, I he's pitched well as of late. I don't. I still don't. This is another one that I'm kind of iffy on. 
I just like Dean Kramer because I purposely called him Dean Creamer around Nick often enough that he accidentally slipped and called him Creamer on like a, a, a panel or something. <laughs> no, I, I like Kramer has had two really good starts lately against Atlanta. And what was the other matchup? I know it was another tough one. Toronto? Maybe. But he was really, really good against two really tough matchups. And but the the but the start before that he got absolutely lit up by Detroit. So I don't really know what to make of Kramer. He had a really, really good run at the end of last year and is capable of going on a um oh what's the term Nick uses for a bad pitcher going on a really good run? Oh, oh gosh, Vargas rule. Vargas rule. That's it. Is that I, what it is? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's very capable of going on one of those runs like uh, Martin Perez last year. Are you, pr- are you proud year. of me, Nick? Are you proud of me? <laughs> proud. Are you proud of us, Dad? Uh, yeah. I, I think Dean Kramer is capable of a run like that again, like he did last year. Uh, and you know maybe that Atlanta start shows that he's on one now. I actually have a waiver claim out for him in a league right now, so I, I guess I'm a bit of a believer. All right. Uh, let's move to Boston then. Uh, you have a couple names down here. I, I mean, there's, there's one here that I think surprised both of us that he is still sub 20%. Yeah, and that's uh, Brian Bayo, who, along with Yuri Perez, is a priority sub 20% pitcher. It's hard to find a legitimately good pitcher in sub 20% world land unless they're like a rookie making their first start. But Bayo has shown himself to be a good pitcher like already. I, I, I maybe it's just the, the walk rates, the, the inefficiency that's making people not buy in. But I would be aggressively trying to add him wherever I can in, in deep leagues. The strikeout stuff is legit. But, you know, even with some inefficiency, you really don't have to squint very hard to find a good pitcher here. No. Um, yeah, oh. I was very surprised when I saw that he was sub 20%. Yeah, I don't know. and then on the offensive side of things, uh, Emmanuel Valdez has looked so much better than I expected in his debut, and the Red Sox suddenly have a red-hot lineup, which I also didn't expect, so all of this is really just throwing me for a loop. The Red Sox have a juggernaut offense led by Jaron Duran, Emmanuel Valdez, and Connor Wong. That's like that's like something that I would come up with after being fed a handful of mushrooms and locked in a room and being told to come up with the dumbest baseball thing that could happen this year. I don't get it, but I, I guess add Valdez and Connor Wong. I, I don't know. Yeah, Wong's been kind of incredible too. Dude, I don't he's know what been his, so good. I don't know what his roster ship numbers look like right now. Sub twenty, sub twenty. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, that's sure. another. That's another good one then. Um, all right, let's go to the Rays next. Uh, Luke Rayleigh. I know that you you brought this up before the pod. I don't remember you saying anything about this, so I don't think it's real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Luke, Luke Rayleigh played out of his mind in spring training. And there was some point in spring training where I was like, hey, Jordan, do you see what Luke Rayleigh's doing? And then never made too much of a thing about it because it's Luke Rayleigh. But he has continued it into the season. His last two weeks, he's hitting 395 with four home runs, seven runs, eight RBI, and a steal. He just, the the Rays are wizards? I don't know. They're just, I, I I think you said it best earlier today when you said the Rays are cracked 
which yeah. many people listening to this podcast will not know what that means. And I'm so sorry. It just basically means they're, they're insanely good. Is essentially I'm, what so, it is. Um, I'm so sorry for the people our age and older who are listening to this and hearing us use words like mid and cracked. I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're trying to delude ourselves into thinking we're still youths. How do you do fellow kids? Yes. Um, all right, let's move to the AL Central uh, and start with the Tigers, uh, which actually also a pretty deep well of folks that we can talk about. And I feel like we both are kind of high on um, Eric Haas. Uh, I have him in TGFBI. He's not playing every day, uh, but I think he's a more than passable second catcher in those type of leagues. And also the nice thing is that he is also outfield eligible, which is something it's like him and MJ Melendez are like the two. And then I guess, well, does Varsho still have catcher eligibility? Yes, for th- okay, this yeah. will be the last year, though. Yeah, so he's he's basically a scuffed version of <laughs> of Dalton Barshow. So scuffed, so scuffed. Um, he did like single handedly demolish the Mets in in a he did that series. Two home runs in that one game. I think he hit another one later in the series too. Yeah, so he, that that yeah. made me sad. It hit a really good week uh, a couple weeks ago, but yeah. So I do I do like Eric Haas just simply for the positional positional eligibility. Excuse me, uh, and uh, yeah, so. What about Spencer Torkelson, Schweppes? So I've been saying to stash Torque for weeks now, and I think it's time to be more aggressive about that. If you've been, you know, if you've been stingy about your roster spots or just not unsure of whether he would break out or not, we're seeing a lot of positive trends with Spencer Torkelson. The walks are up, the strikeouts are down, the hard hit rate is up, lots of good stuff going on under the hood here, and he could be on the cusp of a breakout. And, you know, you don't you better to be too early than too late when it comes to a prospect breakout. Perfect. Uh, speaking of prospect breakouts, this is someone that was somewhat highly touted after he by, got called up initially. By when, who? No, when he initially, well, no, when he initially got called up and started playing for the Dodgers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, streak, yeah. And then he fell off and then he ended up on the Tigers. Uh, and that's Zach McKinstry. Uh, this is a guy that's got a great average floor. Uh, particularly nice because he's a guy who is hitting a lead off a non-zero amount of the time in Detroit. Um, and also another fun fact, Detroit is the 12th best offense in the league since the start of May. Another one Every- that really, really surprised me. So like that's Every- everything is stupid and nothing makes sense. I know it's great. Like we have this very clear uh, idea in our mind of like how good certain offenses are right now, but like over the past, like basically two weeks, some of the, offenses that we view as being basically the worst in the league have been some of the best so uh don't let those uh and uh i guess inherent biases fool you yeah my 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 response to kansas city and detroit being good offenses is no fair enough analysis (laughs) (laughs) i refuse this is the kind of analysis that everyone loves and craves from us the boys at in the deep uh all right, so we have two more Tigers <clears throat> ooh, excuse me, uh, to talk about, and that's Matt Vierling and Michael Lorenzen. Uh, uh, yeah, Vierling is kind of in the same spot that he's been all year long. I think there's a lot of upside there if he would only get consistent playing time. He has been playing pretty, you know, often enough to matter. Uh, let me pull this up. Vierling has, he's only sat one time since the 29th, so he's basically been playing every day in May. Um, I, I like him. He's even hitting leadoff against lefties. He's got that power speed. He's got loud tools and he's more polished than you'd believe, or at least more polished than I would have believed just hearing about Veerling uh, earlier in his career. 
I, I think he's a, he's probably like a lot of people going to be a little bit of a victim of Camerica because his hitting style doesn't really lend itself well to maximizing his power. But I do like Beerling, and I think there's going to be a must-own uh, streak in him at some point this year. And then Michael Lorenzen is not exciting, but uh, th- there was a point where I thought Michael Lorenzen was exciting, but that has kind of long since passed. But he's had a couple of good starts lately, and is a decent desperation play if, if you're in need of a stream. Yeah, as I say, the strikeouts are pretty non-existent, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So you're not getting much in that regard, so... <sighs> yeah, there's more exciting streams out there. Obviously, the other pitchers that we talked about are much more highly touted by both of us, and you should go for those first. But if you're looking to, like... If you're, if you're doing waterfall bids in TGFBI, Lorenzen should be, like, the last one on that list. As like He's, like, a, the, like, like, like the, the $1. Like the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the if I don't get any resort. of the if I don't get any of the ten other pitchers I want I guess Lorenzen's fine. Uh, all right, uh, Kansas City. Uh, we talked about Prado, and also we did touch on Massey a little bit. And I guess I did have a fun fact here, which was the fact that they do have the best offense in the league <laughs> since the beginning of no, the- nope. It's incredible. I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh. So yeah, I'm just plugging again, plugging my fingers in my ears and going la 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 la, la, la. Uh, great love it uh, alright let's go to Minnesota we've already talked about Kansas City enough um, uh, let's start with Max Kepler so he's day to day with a leg injury but it didn't really matter much he did pinch hit tonight so it shouldn't be that big of an issue uh, Kepler's been aver- hot he's been alright the average over the course of the season has been lacking he's only hitting like 211 so obviously not great that's going to hurt you uh, six home runs though is nothing to sneeze at. The power is there, uh, and he, like Schwabzi said, has been a bit hotter as of late. So, um, if you need help in the outfield, that's one place you can definitely go. Uh, Schwabzi, you also put down Nick Gordon. Yeah, I, I cut Nick Gordon in a couple of places, so predictably he has started playing well. Uh, if you pay the uh, the enhanced tier of my Patreon, I will tell you whoever I'm cutting so that you can go add them immediately. Um, yeah, I mean, Gordon's been good. We, we expected him to play regularly, have a decent batting average and get you some, you know, some sporadic home runs and stolen bases. And he looks like he is going to be doing that now. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's go to the AL West and wrap this bad boy up here. Uh, let's start with Houston and JP France. All right. I don't think France is that good or that special, but I do think that Houston is very good and smart and I think they generally know what they're doing with pitching and I trust them to get the most out of France. He pitched 6.2 innings today against the White Sox, striking out three, only allowing one run and four base runners, which is, you know, a a good enough line. He got you a win. He got you good ratios. Two starts into his major league career. The ratios are fantastic. And yeah, I, I think the K's are currently and will continue to be a little lacking. Fair enough. Uh, I man, I know. I know that Nick and I, the day after JP France's debut, I think it was. Was that last weekend? Actually, who yeah, started? Am I been thinking of five days ago? Yeah, there you go. That sounds about right. Uh, I know that Nick and I looked at uh, JP France's start, and I can't remember what Nick's feelings were on him. I f- I feel like it was somewhere in the same general area as you were, where it's like. 
he wasn't like super overwhelmingly positive regarding him, but also I think the Astros do know what they're doing. So uh, I just think he's neat. Speaking of neat, let's talk about Zach Nito. Actually, Neto. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I was I wasn't trying to make a Neto reference. I was trying to make a Marge Simpson reference. I've JP watched, France. I've, I've, the, I've never really watched The Simpsons before. That's that's a, that's a take, and I'm so sorry. He's 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 the potato of pitchers. Um, so Zach Neto is basically a child. He is 22. He was drafted just last year, but after a very very short adjustment periods period, appears to be having no problem with major league pitching. He could probably stand to dial back the aggression a little bit and take some pitches because that walk rate is rough. But like Torkelson, there are some really good trends going on here, especially in the hard hit department. He just recently had his first major league home run, and I think he's on an upward trajectory in general. Because he's leading off in front of Shohei and Trout, right? Or he had been for a couple games? Uh, Let me pull that up real quick. I swear I saw this somewhere. Uh, so Neto has, he, he hit lead off for a stretch from the 29th through May 6th, but Got in more, okay. in more recent games, he has been hitting ninth. Okay. Well, never mind. Then. <laughs> st- I still, I still like him. I do too. Yeah, obviously. Um, but a little bit less attractive than obviously being a lead off hitter in front of two of like probably the greatest hitters of our generation. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But uh, still good. All right. Let's go to Oakland then. Talk about a few players here. You had JJ Blade as the first one. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that drew me to Blade as a prospective ad was the fact that his K rate, which had historically been really high, was sitting around 20%. And it is still sitting around 20%. They're mostly using him as a platoon bat. But the more concerning thing. I think, is the massive discrepancy between his Woba and ex-Woba. I think this is a player that you would add with your eyes on just riding this hot streak. I don't think this is going to last um, because even with his suppressed K rate, the, bat, like, the, the results when he puts the bat on the ball are not as good as I would expect them to be for someone with his you know pedigree of impacting the ball as a prospect. So I I don't really think I'm in at, at I, I'm not expecting him to be a season long ad, although I'm not against adding him right now. Uh and then there's Ryan Noda, who I I, I feel actually the, the opposite of uh of Bladé. I think Noda is firmly underrated at this point. He's been on the waiver wire in almost all of my leagues, and he's like legitimately good. Like the bat to ball kind of stinks, yes, but the man never chases, and he literally has the best walk rate in baseball. He gets a big bump in OBP leagues, and I think there's more home run production to come based on his quality of contact. Uh, I dig both of those. Uh, I, I do like the on-base skills for Noda. The one name that you have down here was Jordan Diaz. And I, uh, do, take, I do take pause with that one simply because the good stretch that he has had as of late is fully driven by the fact that he had a three home run game. And that's pretty much the only good thing on his resume. Yeah. I mean, he might wind up just being like 
another Rodolfo Castro in a worse stadium. God, that's a good comparison. It's a but, really good comparison. Another person who also had a three home run game, correct? Yeah. Last year? Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. He might have had it against the Brewers. Yeah. I mean, I. What I'm Brett, saying he... is go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> all right if, if jordan if jordan is telling me to go to hell that means it's about time to wrap this up right, let's uh, let's talk about texas uh leody Tavares kind of is what he is he is a very toolsy player who will have hot and cold stretches every year he has recently had a hot stretch and that makes him worth rostering if you can catch him during one of those hot stretches great but generally not a priority ad for me it's a player that uh I, I would make a desperation play for in, in hopes of a big week. And then there's Dane Dunning on the pitching side of things. And I just selfishly want Dane Dunning to succeed because I talked about him with Nicholas Peter Pollock and Nick and I disagree on his worth. And now I want Dane Dunning to pull a Martin Perez and be better than he should be all year long. Uh, he's probably never going to be a 25% strikeout guy, but he hasn't been walking a soul this year and he's got an intimidating offense supporting him. He could be a decent source of quality starts and decent but not great ratios. And as long as DeGrom is out, which looks like it's going to be at least a couple more weeks, I think Dunning is going to be worth running out there unless he's facing a really intimidating offense. I'm actually wondering who he lines up against. Um... That is a good question. Next few weeks. I'm checking that right now for you. AL West. Looks like he's going to get Atlanta in Texas. And then after that, it will be Colorado and Texas. So, I mean, the Colorado starts not a bad one. I will take pause with the Atlanta one. He also, to be fair, is a two-star pitcher for next week, in theory. So I am not roll- starting him against Atlanta. <laughs> if you want to roll, if you if you really feel like rolling those dice. If you're grab, a gambling grab, man, which I am on occasion, uh, grab yourself a Dane Dunning. But I would I would probably advise against that if you can avoid starting him against Atlanta. Please just don't do that. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thanks y'all for joining us once again. We appreciate it. If you like the show and you want to follow us and get more information from us, you can follow us at In the Deep PL. On Twitter, you can also follow us individually at Schwebzy for Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And then at Bunt Singles for myself. And we will be back next week with another episode. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.